Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Pastor Joshua Sharif, and this is Pastor Chad Bacon. Uh, We are today looking at Luke 24, and we're asking ourselves the question, now what? Yeah, we are in this uh, season of life where each of us are, are looking up ahead uh, on our calendars. We're looking up ahead uh, towards uh, towards the future, and we're really asking this question, now what? Now, what are we supposed to do in light of everything that is going on? And so with that, uh, today we're starting a new series called Now What? Living After the Resurrection. Uh, this is the first Sunday after Easter, and so as we continue kind of examining uh, the season of Easter, uh, we're asking ourselves, uh, what is it look like to live in this reality after the resurrection? This reality, as people were still discovering, Jesus is risen, he is alive, and the effect that it had on their lives, how it began to lead them into a new season, trying and living in new ways. The theme we're going to be looking at today that we see uh, in chapter 24 is this uh, theme of of disappointment. You know, I got onto the um, uh, kind of the, the bandwagon thing of baking bread. Mm. Uh, and I had done it before, but, you know, I thought, okay, I have a little more time. I'm at home, got the sourdough starter going. Um, and I put this loaf in the oven and, you know, you're nervous. You're like, is this going to rise? Is the yeast going to work? Um, and out comes this beautiful loaf. I took a picture of it. I put it on Facebook and then I cut into it. And, you know, what you're looking for is all these wonderful little bubbles. Well, instead I had this com- completely, completely dense bread and one big bubble. So it was bare. It tasted fine, but it was bare. It was such a disappointment. Looked so great on the outside, the inside completely hollow. See, I'm not an expert like you, so I was trying just my first hand at this, trying to make a a little baguette for my family, and I put it together. I was so excited, and I opened the oven, and it did not look beautiful. It looked disastrous, (laughs) and it made me think of uh, this picture that I've seen before, you know, expectations versus reality, that picture of looking at something you're trying to create, and then the reality of how it turns out, this picture of a a Hulk cake that this, this person was trying to make this beautiful Hulk cake, but in reality, it looked nothing like like it. And, and for the past few weeks, we've talked about this, this yeah. expectations versus reality, beginning really with Palm Sunday. But how are expectations? They begin to form this really anticipation in our lives. And so, so we strive to live towards these things. But when our, our hopes really don't come through, uh, when we face this disappointment, when we're in this moment and we're looking up ahead and we're asking, now what? We, we're faced with that, those moments of disappointment. Yeah. yeah, so the text opens up and there is there is that, that sense um, of, of disappointment right away that we see in the road. Yeah, uh, we're picking up in Luke 24. So if, if you want to join us, if you have a Bible or on your phone uh, or whatever app you use, uh, join us in Luke 24, uh, really beginning in verse 13. And, and uh, this story, it's, it's usually called uh, On the Road to Emmaus. And, and it is a story that really we can find ourselves in. It's a story that begins with these two uh, nameless disciples. They're on this road from Jerusalem all the way to this, this village of Emmaus. It says it's a seven mile trip. And as they are walking on this road, uh, they have this, this uh, meeting, this interaction with Jesus, but, but they don't recognize him. Right. And, and the whole interaction uh, um, with Jesus, it really is coded. Uh, verse 17 describes it this way. Uh, Jesus says, what are you talking about? What is this conversation that you are holding with each other? And it says, and they stood still looking sad. 
And today, as we begin this passage, I want to put us in this moment, in this situation. Uh, I think it's, it's a beautiful thing that at the beginning of this passage, the disciples are nameless uh, because we can put ourselves in their shoes. We can find ourselves on this road and, and to begin to ask ourselves this question today, what is this road uh, leading us to? Uh, in the beginning of this passage, I think as we ask that question, what is this road leading us to? I think the beginning of our passage, uh, the beginning of this story, and the beginning of what we are looking at today, it begins with this uh, sense of being hopeless, of, of losing a hope that you once mm-hmm. had. So these disciples, they are on uh, the road to Emmaus. Uh, Jesus uh, uh, appears to them. Uh, they can't recognize him. He asks them what they're talking about, and, and they begin to describe to him what they are talking about. And later on in the passage, uh, it says, you know, we had, uh, it says, and he said to them, what things happened in Jerusalem? And they said to him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all people and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. And verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. And this is where our passage begins to take root in our lives. This simple phrase, we had hoped. You notice that it's in the past tense because they're no longer looking towards the future. They're reminiscing and saying, this is what we had hoped to happen, but we don't hope that to happen anymore because that reality, that that hope that we had seems quashed. And I think that this phrase is, is so powerful because it's a phrase we all know so well. We had hoped. We had hoped uh, for a better life. We had hoped for a better job. We had hoped for a better season of spring. We had hoped for this certain reality, but that hope isn't there. And this is what disappointment begins to do in our lives. It begins to to strip away the hopes that we have in our lives. Uh, uh, A philosopher, Emile Bruner, he says it this way. He says, what oxygen is to the lungs, such is hope to the meaning of our lives. And so when we find ourselves in these moments where, where we are losing hope, where we find ourselves saying we had hoped for this to happen. Mm-hmm. What we do is we begin to resign our lives, uh, not to looking forward to the future in anticipation, but really this resignation, uh, no longer looking ahead with excitement, but disappointment causes us to look in our present moment and causes us to really stand still, to be yeah. idle in this moment. Uh, author Henry Nouwen, uh, he says it this way, looking at the road to Mace, he says, when this happens, our heads are no longer looking forward but they're downcast. They're bent to the ground. Uh, Disappointment, when it enters our lives, it can cause us uh, not to recognize really the reality that is happening around us, but instead just to pity ourselves. Uh, In verse 16 in our passage, it says, their eyes were kept from recognizing Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think this is such a powerful recognition because this is what disappointment does to us. It begins to cloud our eyes and cause us not to really see in reality, but only live in the death of our hopes. We had hoped. Yeah. I think that's such an important point you're making too. We have to um, realize at the beginning of our, our walk with entering into places that are, you know, disappointing journeys or disappointing moments in our life, while disappointment causes us to not recognize what's going on, we have to, before we even recognize the circumstance, recognize that we are um, entering a season of disappointment or realizing that there is something amiss here in us because disappointment and how we deal with it looks 
uh, different for so many people. Right, right now, if you're dealing with disappointment, for some people, it looks like a depression. For some people, it looks like uh, an abandoning of certain values. For some people, it, it looks like a lack of interest in what was important. Uh, but it's important when we see that disappointment is entering, when our expectations are not met, we stop and we ask ourselves, why am I disappointed? What did I expect to happen? And that's in that place we can begin to deal with this that disappointment. Yeah, and and I think if we're going to be honest with ourselves in this moment, when we live in those times where we say we had hoped, uh, we can use that phrase uh, really in this way to to minimize um, um, our realities and kind of sit idly by to, to take ourselves out of our situation. Or we can use that phrase really to press in to why we had hoped that that had happened. And so I think as we read this passage, we'll see in a moment, Jesus comes in and he begins to really confront this situation. But I think as we look at our loss of hope right now, Mm -hmm. as we look towards the future with uncertainty, the first thing we need to do is to come and not, not grieve our losses in a way of still living in that reality, but grieve those losses in a way, confessing them in a way where we begin to break them up to be more receptive to God's word. Mm. I think of this clear image of, of soil. Uh, the Bible uses it all the time. And, and when we talk about a dry soil, a hard ground, there's this picture that's going to come on the screen. You, you can see this cracked, dry soil. It, when, when a soil is cracked and dry, it's not receptive to water mm. because it, it's, it's, it's resisting it. it it's too, uh, um, too solid. It's too solid of yeah. a foundation. What needs to happen for it to be receptive to water is it needs to be broken up. Mm-hmm. My neighbor uh, loves to irrigate his lawn. And so he, he buys these big uh, uh, spikes that he puts on the bottom of his shoes. And every spring he's out there in the morning, walking, breaking up his soil. And I always think it's so funny, but I think that in this image right now, this is this image of, of coming to God really in confession and, and coming with a broken and a contrite heart, as Psalm 51 says. It's, it's going through these moments where we say we had hoped that it breaks down the dry soil and it creates this openness and this receptiveness to begin to receive from God. And as we talk about the season we're in right now, I think we don't want to waste this moment, but instead we want to press into this moment. And as we say, we had hoped, we want to break up and and can bring those hopes to God and say, this is what I had hoped for, but I want to break it up and, and have this moment where I'm looking to receive from you. Our pilgrims, our disciples aren't really there yet in our passage. How, how do they begin to find this new way? Yeah, so Jesus speaks into it and he does kind of a breaking in, uh, a tilling of their hearts. He rebukes them. He says this in, in verse 25, how foolish you are and how to slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. He, he confronts them directly and says, listen, you are slow to believe. And what, what he's saying is, as, as well, what you're hoping for, you're hoping in the wrong thing. But he's confronting this, this idea of disappointment. And you know what? I, I, I sympathize with these guys. I think of children and, and little children are not slow to believe. Little ch- you know, you tell a little kid something and their reaction is, wow, I can't believe it. that's awesome. You know, and they'll take anything at face value. Why? It's because they haven't lived long enough to realize that people lie, people disappoint, things don't work out like, like we want. And so by the time you're, not, not, you don't even have to be an adult, by the time you're in junior high, by the time you're in high school, if you're, if you're listening and you're younger, you even know what, what this 
This means you kind of have lived a life flinching. You're, you're besieged with disappointment. And so sometimes it takes a while for the truth and those things that we're supposed to hope in and build our lives on to seep in because we're slow to believe because we've been let down and let down and let down and let down. And here they are. They're explaining to Jesus. They don't realize it's Jesus. They're explaining to him really their nationalistic dreams. We had hoped that, that this Jesus would, um, would be able to restore Israel. And their nationalistic dreams had to like go to a dead end. I mean, with Jesus dying on the cross, those dreams were just shattered. That's not what a conquering war hero looks like. That's not what, you know, King David who, who killed the tens of thousands looks like. This is somebody who came and their victory was that they just died. Hmm. Um, and I think that is indicative of where we are as we approach Jesus sometimes. Sometimes our hopes and our dreams have to die in order for them to be uprooted so that God can place bigger hopes and dreams. And these people, by the way, they're not bystanders. They're not some people who happen yeah. to be in Jerusalem. They're leaving Jerusalem, but they know all these things about Jesus. Later, we'll see that they'll return to the disciples where the disciples are hiding, so they know about where the disciples are. Uh, so these aren't bystanders. These were full participants. These were people who knew Jesus but they were just so blinded by their own nationalistic hopes that Jesus had to come in and he had to just break through that disappointment and say, you are hoping in the wrong things and let me direct you to where I want your hope and your hearts to be. And that's the hard thing with disappointment is it instinctively blinds us. It, it feels like a roadblock. It, this this imagery of being on the road, it feels like an obstacle in our way and we're no. stuck. And, and when we go through disappointment, I think our first reaction is wanting to just give up, wanting to yeah. say like, look, we had hoped this this happened. It didn't. Yeah. Well, let's just go home. Let's yeah. let's be done with this. And they're on this road back to Emmaus because they're, they're resigned to giving up. Mm-hmm. The, the dream of the king in Jerusalem is, is gone. And yeah. so they're, they're giving themselves over to this. But the thing about disappointment, the thing about the loss of hope is when we go deeper in it, what we begin to find is it's not a roadblock saying the journey is over. It's usually an obstacle that's saying, this is the other path that God is trying to lead you onto. Yeah. You know, um, we culturally, and I think lots of cultures, lots of people don't like to be confronted. Hmm. Jesus confronts them pretty harshly, pretty, pretty strongly. No one wants to be called foolish. Um, and, but, but I think for us, when we are confronted, when we're rebuked, when we're called even to, you know, the biblical idea of repentance, your life is wrong. You need to put it down and pick up the new life you have in Christ. There is a bit of offense that, that feels like it builds up, up there. Uh, a lot of times, a new cultural trend, you know, when, when people in a relationship, there's something hard that happens, uh, they ghost, you know, they, they leave. They, they, yeah. We see that happen all the time. But Jesus here is rebuking them, not out of condemnation, but out of love. I love the image that Jesus is walking with them away from where he wants to do everything. He wants to start the church in Jerusalem, send them out from Jerusalem. The church is going to be built in Jerusalem. But Jesus takes the seven-mile journey with them, even though they're walking in the wrong direction. And, and what he's doing is he's turning 
He's doing what he can to turn their hearts back to him. Mm. You'll notice that they, where their hearts are at because they, they share this, this half-false gospel. They say Jesus was a, was a prophet and he was crucified. And then they, they, they share a story that, like there's a rumor that these women told us that, that Jesus appeared again, his body was gone. But you could tell they don't believe it. And I think um, that is such an important part of this because it teaches me that the gospel that, that, that you share is only as good as the gospel that you believe and you've experienced mm. in your life. If you uh, do not know and do not have your hope in the full lordship of Jesus, the power of his spirit and his resurrection, if Jesus to you is some kind of moral, just moral teacher or some guide or some prophet or somebody who is convenient at times when he aligns with your dreams, then the gospel that you are living and the gospel that you are sharing is a weak and worthless gospel. And I say that to people who are listening, again, not out of condemnation, but out of love because what Jesus has for us and the gospel, the good news that he has for us in the full power of his resurrection is just so much better than what we could have hoped for ourselves. And this, this passage is amazing because these disciples, they're on this, this journey. Jesus comes, they don't recognize him. He, he confronts them and then he gives them like the best Bible study ever. It yeah. says that he, he literally walks them through the, just the beginning of the Torah, all the way through, through the law, really reconfiguring the way that they, they see things. Uh, they, they first come in this moment, we had hoped, and Jesus is saying, you hoped wrong, but your hope should still be alive because this is the, the revelation I want you, want you to see. And so they end up all the way back, seven miles, all the way back to Emmaus. And uh, it says, the passage says, Jesus looks like he's going to keep going on. But, but the, these two disciples, they say, oh no, come, come with us, come to our house, uh, stay with us over the night. And so Jesus comes with them and there's this amazing moment uh, where, where they come, they sit at the table and, and all of a sudden Jesus becomes comes the host in these people's house. Mm. And it says, Jesus, he, he took this bread and verse 30 says, he took the bread, he blessed it, he broke it and he gave it to them. And then verse 31 says this, and their eyes were open and they recognized him. Mm. And this is the, the building, the, the, the full revelation we find in this passage. It begins with these two disciples saying, we had hoped Jesus begins to correct their vision in this new way. And after this correction, they finally come to this moment as through the words of Jesus, through the breaking of this bread, that their eyes see, they recognize this truth that they have finally seen, not in their hopelessness, but they have this renewed sense of being alive. And I, I think our present moment in this situation that we are going through right now can cause this blinding effect of disappointment in our lives. And it can cause us to really step away, uh, to stop um, interacting with people the same way we did before, to really resign ourselves in a lot of areas of our lives. And in our relationship with God, it can cause this hindrance in us feeling like there's this barrier in our, in our interacting with him. Mm -hmm. But I think that this current moment instead is this road to Emmaus moment saying, no, go deeper into that loss yeah. of hope and begin to discover this renewed vision of what God is calling you into. Um, I always think of those images uh, that, that are posted that you can see two different images on the same 
same one yeah. uh, on the screen right now. There should be one of a young woman and an old woman. And if you look at the white part, you see a younger woman. If you look at the black part, you see like a, an older woman. It's a two-dimensional picture, but you, you can see both. And I sure. think what Jesus is doing in this time right now, in, in this road to Emmaus moment, is he's correcting their vision to say, we're looking at the same picture, but you're not seeing it fully. You're yes. missing this other half. You're missing this revelation that I want you to come see. Uh, verse 32 goes on to say this. It says, they recognized him. And then they turned to each other and they said, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? Hmm. Did not our hearts burn within us? Uh, burn is the same word that is used to light a lamp. It's this illuminating effect. Their hearts were lit up with this revelation. And all of a sudden, as they searched their burning hearts, they saw everything in this new reality, this resurrection reality, where they weren't grieving. Instead, they were having tears of celebration because they saw what Jesus had done and will continue to do. And this is the call I, I want to call you into today to open your eyes, not to look at your, your loss of hope and, and grieve it in a way where you resign yourself, but instead to navigate that loss of hope by bringing God into it and really having those moments where your heart is burning, where your heart is illuminated because you're seeing the ways that God is showing up in this time. I think our temptation is to sit idly by and just make ourselves through the season saying, all right, next day, next day, what day is it? I can't even tell. But what we want to do as a church instead is to press deeper into it yeah. in this level that we are discovering how God is transforming this moment, not searching our lost our, our, our loss of hope, but instead finding this, this truth that we can entrust our lives to God. So how are we entrusting our lives to God in this moment? You see that change in, in, in the disciples here. They, they show up to those assembled together. They go back and they do this immediate return journey. And they say it in this, this one phrase in, in verse 34, and I think this sums it up. The gospel has penetrated their hearts and changed their lives. They say, it is true. The Lord has risen and he's appeared to Simon. It is true. Um, I look at this seven mile return journey and I think um, this was not a convenient journey. They took this journey seven miles to Emmaus. Uh, they didn't want Jesus to travel any further. So they invited him to stay overnight. And immediately it says, when they, when they hear these things, when they understand that it is true, they take a night journey back. I picture them running back. And I think that is the picture of, of, of I think what we're trying to call even ourselves to mm -hmm. that, that, that urgency to say we're sheltered in, in place but we're on this journey that Jesus has called us to. They go back immediately. There's no delay. And I think the temptation in our spiritual journey is to say, well, I agree, but, where, but the question is, where is your action? Where is our obedience? Yeah. Um, for a while, you know, I took some steps uh, this last year and I, and I got healthy. I lost a lot of weight. But before I lost all that weight, it had been a great period of time that I said, you know what? I really need to lose mm. weight. I really need to take action. And I agreed fully. And some of us are in that place um, where we agree fully, but we have not gotten up and moved in the direction that God 
wants us to move. And, and for me, for my physical body, and that's just a small example of, of what it looks like spiritually, I finally had to one day say, and today is the day I'm going to make a change. And, to, and the next day, I'm going to take another step. And the next day, I'm going to take another step because this is a priority. So they, so they take those steps. And I think it can be, um, it can, it can be in some sense, uh, harder to take the return journey back to God or the obedience journey than it is to leave. Uh, I think sometimes we think that uh, when it's time to take a step of obedience with God, it's, God's going to open the doors mm. and it'll make, be an easy journey back. But I think of the picture of the prodigal son. The prodigal son walked away from the father with riches, mm. but he crawls back with nothing. He comes back to the right place where he should be with the father in the father's household. And that return journey for the prodigal son was harder than the journey mm. away. And so some of us are facing today steps of obedience that we need to take. We, we need to walk into the waters of baptism, or uh, we need to finally say, I'm going to live my new life in Christ. Today is the day that I'm going to accept the mm. Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord, not just as my prophet, religious guru, whatever, as my Lord. Uh, some of us need to take steps in the relationships we're in that mm. God's calling us to. Some of us need to take the steps of obedience to um, go ahead and share the good news of Jesus with people. Mm. And uh, that call is to take that journey today. Mm. God is calling you to stand up and immediately live the life of obedience. The story begins with this question, looking out, where is this road leading us? Begins with these disciples resigning themselves to returning home in this loss of hope. But Jesus comes, and through this interaction, it reverses everything. And they're back on the road again, but they're headed in the right direction. That's right. They're headed towards Jerusalem with this cheerful announcement that is changing their whole paradigm, changing their whole reality right now. And as uh, Pastor Josh just invited, that's how we want to respond today. So we're going to prepare our hearts as, as we respond uh, through worship, uh, singing praises uh, to, to, uh, to our God. And as we respond in this moment, uh, we just want to invite you just to prepare your hearts to, to make this return journey, to take this road, but take it in the right direction. Don't sit idly by, don't resign yourself, but press deeper in and with excitement, follow where Jesus is leading you. As we prepare ourselves, I just invite you to pray with us as we go into worship. Lord, uh, we come before you. Yes, Lord. And we confess our loss of hopes, Lord. Uh, we, we confess that we had hoped. We had hoped things would turn differently. We, we had hoped life would, would go on a, on a different way, Lord. We, mm -hmm. we, had, we have placed our hopes in so many things yes. and often those hopes fail us. Mm. And Lord, we confess that we have placed our hope in the wrong things. And Lord, we, we come in, in confession, we come in repentance in this moment and we, we say, Lord, please correct our vision. Help us to see where you are leading us, Lord. Help us not to look up ahead and say, what, what, now what? What are we supposed to do? But instead, mm -hmm. help us look up ahead with this missional sense of saying, we know where we're supposed to go. Yeah. We're supposed to live in obedience to God. We know what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to live on mission. We are going to tell the world, we're going to tell this truth that you are alive, mm -hmm. that, that Peter was right, that, that right. you are risen. Lord, help us to live in your resurrection reality. Mm. Help us not to live in a world that, that seems like death always wins, but Lord, help us to confess that your life has won. 
and help us to follow that with all of who we are in confession, in belief, in faith that carries us on this journey towards you. Amen.